Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast, a podcast about sharing stories on the struggles and successes of real life healthy living for the family. From easy ways to eat more colors to finding your happy movement, cut the baloney of the food shaming or the guilt of eating certain foods and keep the focus on lifelong habits. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. You know, I may not like the way my body looks every day, but I can accept it for what it is. I can respect that it allows me to move through this world and do things that I really love and I'm passionate about. And I choose to take care of it so that I can do those things that give me purpose and joy in life. Welcome to episode number 15, where I talk with licensed therapist Cherie from Food Freedom Therapist on Instagram. She has so much to share with us, and it makes for an enjoyable conversation. Cherie helps people find health at every size and body acceptance. As she recovered from an eating disorder herself, she has the knowledge and the experience to help people in all areas. I hope you find this episode insightful and helpful because these topics need to be talked about in a culture that sheds a light to being thin as ideal or perfect. It's a good one. Enjoy. How about you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Okay, so I am Sri Miller and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas and I specialize in helping people make peace with food and their bodies. So I have always known that I wanted to specialize in eating disorders. And so from the get-go, that was my passion. And I just, I absolutely love it. I mean, it can be challenging work, um, but it's, it's so rewarding. And I just, I'm super passionate about it. So that is what I do these days. And I, like I said, I'm just super blessed to love the work that I do because I, I didn't always, I had a career in marketing before this, and even though I enjoyed aspects of it, I always knew I wanted to do this, so I'm just really glad when I could go back to school and get my master's and start this career. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I don't know how many people I have referred to a therapist. They come to me and be like, oh, can you help me with food? And I'm like, no, 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 please, you need to go to a therapist because the nutrition part of it is not the necessity here. It's the therapy part. So uh, how did you get involved in this direction then? So I recovered myself when I was in college many moons ago. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) I I actually started out, unfortunately, as so many do, with just trying to lose weight and doing, you know, quote-unquote, normal dieting and really had no idea what it was going to become and I ended up developing a full-blown eating disorder and so I, I very much remember the moment in time when I was in recovery thinking I, I'm going to use this someday I want to help other people um, in this journey and help them recover and help prevent eating disorders and all of that and uh, honestly some of it was I, ha- I had a hard time finding a good therapist um, at the time who was skilled at working with eating disorders. I know I went to one in particular. <laughs> you could tell she didn't know what she was doing. And maybe she, you know, was a great therapist, 
um, but not skilled in eating disorders. And it really is such a niche and, you know, it can be such a complicated mental health illness that it really does need some specialization. And so that was also part of my passion. It's like, okay, one day I'm going to be a therapist. And because I'm a part of myself, I kind of know what this is like and hopefully I'll be able to make a difference for people. So that was actually a big motivation for me in recovery to get well. It was just knowing that hopefully some good would come out of it and someday I'd be able to help other people. That is so good. Um, I kind of got chills when you said about the time when you're like, I know this is what I want to do. You found the light through this illness and uh, that's what you were meant to do. So, wow. Um, I love the joy hearing it from you from what the passion that you have for helping people since you've already been through this and know what not to do, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Not that everybody's journey is exactly the same, but I can at least understand some of some of the uh, the feelings, the fear, you know, all all the kind of things that can go along. And I certainly understand how how complex they can be. I don't oversimplify it. I think sometimes that's unfortunately what I see in therapists who don't specialize. It's just it's like oh, you know, it's 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 just one thing. It's just about control or you know whatever. It's like they they've heard a few snippets about what eating disorders are about, and then kind of oversimplify it so it's just it's such an interesting journey because I like I said I had a 10-year career in marketing so I didn't get right into it right away for some life circumstances I won't I won't get into but that was such a good thing because I really I was I did not have the life experience and honestly looking back I just was not healed enough even after I quote-unquote recovered um there was just still a lot of disordered relationship with food in my body and I just wasn't ready um, to really get into that space. And so um, it was tough not to do what I wanted to do right away, but there was such good value and timing in that. Um, but I would check out like, I'm glad. I, I don't think I was ready to do this work at 22 years old. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and you need a marketing degree for this too. So that kind of fits in with there. So uh, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Now that I own my own business, that comes in quite handy. Yeah. But you're right. It's not a one size fits all. It's uh, so many different little nibbits of this and that, that just make every, everyone's journey a little bit different. Oof. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, (laughs) tell everyone kind of what is your, your full message, whether it's on uh, social media or within your program? Well, I, I come from a Help at Every Size and Intuitive Eating Foundation. So definitely, you know, I, I, I'm bringing a lot more of the social justice aspect into it than I ever thought I would just over the last couple of years as I've really been educated on weight stigma and weight bias, you know, both within the medical community and even, unfortunately, even in our eating disorder profession. Um, as well as the society at large and, and how that plays into the role of eating disorder development as well as feminist issues. And, you know, I just realizing it's, it's not a micro issue. It really is a macro issue as far as a lot of things that are happening in our culture. Um, you know, some of the racist roots of fat phobia and all these things. And so um, I definitely believe in fighting those larger issues as well as working on a one-on-one level. Uh, with with people to help prevent and treat some of these issues, um, and I I believe in body acceptance. I think I'm 
probably lean more towards that than, than body positivity. Not that there's anything wrong with body positivity. It just seems like it's unattainable for a lot of people to, to go from, I hate my body to, <laughs> I love my body and I'm taking pictures on social media of me and a bikini, you know? <laughs> okay. So that's kind of the difference of just like turning that switch and then showing it to the world is the difference between the body positivity and the acceptance, correct? Yeah, I just, I feel like there's a whole continuum of our relationship with our body and I see body positivity on one end of the spectrum where it's like you're really proud of your body, you like your body um, and that's great and I and I do believe some people can get there and then the other end of the spectrum is, you know, that body thing and body hatred and loathing and all those things that we see unfortunately being way too common in our culture even in women who aren't necessarily you know, with an eating disorder, um, it's just so normalized now, um, but that's not even unusual for women to hate their bodies um, and to be very critical of their bodies. But, you know, I feel like in the, in the more medium end of the part of the spectrum is you know, the body acceptance of, you know, I may not like the way my body looks every day, but I can accept it for what it is. I can respect that it allows me to move through this world and do things that I really love and I'm passionate about and I choose to take care of it so that I can do those things that give me purpose and joy in life and I could pass from the you know my body being my source of birth you know it's like I don't have to like my body because it doesn't define me anymore yes and I love that because so many times we think that we have to just totally think that every part of our body is perfect but that's that's probably not real either you know and and that's that's okay (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean and and I think that's really hard too it's almost like swimming upstream in our culture where we're conditioned our brains are conditioned by everything that we see all the messages that you get from pretty much every corner of culture that tells us all the reasons we shouldn't feel good about our bodies and all the reasons, you know, our bodies don't measure up to, you know, the ideal quote unquote, it's really a tall order to expect women or to expect ourselves to get to a place where we look in the mirror and think I'm hot, you know, and I love, (laughs) I love all these things about my body that are quote unquote imperfections. You know, it's like, again, if if you can get there, that's amazing. And I applaud it, but you know, I, I'm not sure how realistic that is for most of us in this day and age. Right. Um, y- yeah, it's it's too, oh, what's the word? Like, you don't mean to say it, but you just it just comes out the way you think that way of like, oh, I need to hide my legs because I don't like how they look. And right. then I'm finally realizing, hey, I can run on these legs for mm-hmm. a couple miles and I can do this with my legs. And uh, yeah, they, they it's a lot more than just of, of the size of them. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. It's not so much about what they look like or what they can do. You know, I, I heard the quote once that our bodies are not the masterpiece. Our life is the masterpiece and our bodies are the paintbrush. Oh. I was like, oh my goodness. I remember just being knocked over by that. I was like, that is absolutely true. Right. And we've been conditioned 
particularly as women, you know, from a young age of girls, you know, watching Disney movies and things, you know, that it's like the, the best thing that we can be in life is, is pretty. And it's like, wow, that is, that is so not true. We have so much more to offer the world than being fun to look at. And so you can tell I'm really talking about it. I think my husband's glad I'm back at work so that I, that way, I have a channel for all this instead of just yelling at TV commercials like, I don't have to buy your ice cream and look 20 forever, you know. I have a place to channel all this energy. Miss marketing too, by the way. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that's part of it too. It's like, because I have that marketing background. Oh, I, you're I hit on both ends. I'm like, I know. I know exactly what's going on here. It's like you, you as a company have to make me feel dissatisfied with myself as I am so that I want to buy your product and spend my time and money on your product. You know, it's like they profit directly off of creating body shame and insecurity. Yes. Uh, yeah, you hit that on the nail on the head then. Yeah, and I'm finding with my 13-year-old daughter, like... I just want to bubble wrap her from this. Mm. And there are some times when she will say, I'm not pretty, or um, she may say, oh, I'm fat. And I'm just like, oh, don't say that. Or, And then she'll always be comparing herself to maybe her friends or this and that. And yeah, you are the most beautiful thing ever. And she's like, you just say that because you're my mom. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> you're like, yes, but I'm also right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where I would say, you know, it's, it's easy to want to swoop in and say, no, you're not that. You're beautiful. And, and the truth is, one, we're, we're still kind of reinforcing that, like, oh, that, right. that is somehow bad or something to be feared. And it's like, you can't be fat and beautiful at the same time. Which is not true, I don't think. But also, we're still staying so focused on appearance and then trying to show her, like, no, you have value because you still, you know, you're still attractive. And the truth is, like, I want, I want all the little girls out there right now who are worrying about their bodies or who are feeling not good enough because they don't feel like they're pretty enough or thin enough compared to their friends just to recognize, like, that doesn't really matter. That is not who they are. That is not why they were put on this earth. And it's, it is not the best thing that they have to offer this world. Like it is their inherent qualities of, of their kindness, their humor, their passions, like their gifts that they have, like the kind of friend that they are. Those are all the things that are of, of real value. And it's just such a battle to always remind ourselves and each other as women, again, especially women, although I know that this is true for men too, <laughs> to some degree that's like, your value doesn't lie in what you look like. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of a, a tightrope that you kind of walk on mm -hmm. with them because they don't see the the big picture. But yes, you're right. You're telling them what a good person they are and how much they have such a golden heart and all that kind of good stuff of what a good sister. You know, those are some of the things that I try to throw in as mm -hmm. opposed to just looks, 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 looks like let's yeah, it's I love way that. more than that. Um, and, you know, I also think this movement for mothers, uh, we need to start this for ourselves because there are times when she's, yeah. well, she, when she will tell me, I'm like, well, mom, don't you think you're pretty too? Or don't you, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, I need to make sure I show the positivity for myself mm -hmm. as well. And, yeah. and love, I should say, self-love. You're so right. Because it's like, 
I think we can say all the right things, but they're watching us. And I think what they see sometimes it's so much more powerful than the words that we say, you know, and kids see everything. (laughs) I mean, I always heard that, but now that I'm a parent, I'm like, it's really quite true when, uh, this is kind of a funny example, but it's not related to anything, body or food stuff, but, um, (laughs) we were outside the other day and our car came down the street and turned on the street near where we were. And my, my six-year-old said, uh, it's called a blinker because the person did it put their blinker on before they turned. And my husband looked at me and said, uh, you can tell he's been driving with you. Guilty, <laughs> you know, because that's like one of my peeves when people don't use their blinkers. Right. And so, you know, it's, they pay up on a lot. They really do. And so I think you're absolutely right about that. It's like <laughs> what we're modeling is really, really key. Yes. Uh, little Little sponges, that's for sure. And they just mimic <laughs> what we do. Absolutely. <laughs> the good and the yes. bad, maybe. So, <laughs> Right, right. Yes. yes. Um, I love this post. You have hard truth. At best, loving weight is temporary fix to your to your self-image problems. So. Oh, yes. Losing weight, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have lots that's of- a hard, I think that's a hard thing to hear because we can, I know I've been there before and I, I hear this a lot from clients. It's like we kind of had indulged in the fantasy that everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be better if we just lose weight. And even if we do lose weight and we get to that point, it's like, oh, we feel good for a little bit because, you know, whether that's because we get a lot of reinforcement and praise from people around us, it usually, it just doesn't, it doesn't last. It doesn't really touch the deeper places of our insecurities or our our lack of self-confidence. And we're worried about, oh my gosh, I'm getting all this praise. What if I, what if I gain weight again? And I, I lose all of that approval that I'm getting from other people that, that finally feels so good. And so it really just doesn't end up being the fix that we think it's going to be. Yes. Uh, that is a hard one to play when you do hear the good comments. And so mm-hmm. sometimes thinking of how to compliment someone besides just the weight and appearance for that too. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's hard even, uh, I think it's like even when you're in the space and you think about all these things all the time, like I do, it's, it's still hard. It's almost like a knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. to compliment people's appearance. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a backhanded thing because there's really no way to compliment somebody's weight loss without it being a, an indirect comment about their before quote unquote body. And I know for me, that was part of what pushed me from the normal quote unquote dieting into full-blown eating disorder was just the attention that I got when I lost weight and I had never really dated before. And I had never really gotten a lot of positive attention from my parents and it just felt so good and validating. And also really kind of like, oh my gosh, I must have looked really bad before. You know, people made comments like, wow, the weight loss just really shows on you. Like it makes a big difference. And I thought, oh, my little eating disorder brain was like, oh my goodness, I must have looked terrible before. I can't go back to that for sure. Um, And so people don't mean it in that way, but that's really kind of how it, you know, it's like a backhanded compliment kind of thing. And the other thing I, I unfortunately find is that a lot of times when we're complimenting weight loss, we're complimenting either an eating disorder or illness or, 
you know, somebody's depression or, you know, we just don't know what people's stories are. And it's like, we don't even sometimes care because it's just like, oh, weight loss is always a good thing in our minds. Um, and that's just, you know, it's not, that's not always true. Sometimes it's really indicative of, of something going on in somebody's life that's really difficult. Right. It's so high up on the totem pole for women on, you know, goals and successes in life. I think even just to having that number of that may be some people's high priority uh, right down to the next of their career goals, too. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mentioned this in a previous podcast before, but when I was like fourth or fifth grade and someone, my sister's friend said, oh, wow, you really look great. Did you lose weight? And then I thought to myself, was I fatter than I thought I was? You know, yeah, it was mm -hmm. that thing of like, oh, now you're, you're bringing attention to me. So why not before? Yeah, that is a tricky one. Yeah. 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 Um, so you say throw away your scale. Tell us more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is that is like a hard <sighs> one for people to to even consider because we are so focused on weight and numbers. I just I I just don't think it's a helpful thing. Um, you know, and some of that is because of my foundations of the health at every size. I think we can focus on health without having to focus on numbers, you know, because I don't, I don't think weight and health is necessarily uh, dependent on each other as we've been led to believe. But really, I just, I see the scale as a way to fixate and really be distracted by the other things in our life that are important. Um, and so I just, I don't see a lot of value in it really, but I do see a lot of harm that comes from ourselves. Right. Uh, I kind of play a tricky fine line with this because I have been so used, like in my younger years as a dietitian, like they'd come into my office and I'd weigh them on the scale. And then, you know, I went away from that and had <laughs> more years of my on my own, not just a naive young dietitian. Um, and I just wish there was, well... I don't know. It's kind of like the A on the paper um, for them. And mm -hmm. yeah, finding those other things of successes of measurement. So that's where sometimes I have a hard, hard time with it. And I kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm not doing this right either. I let it up to them. They say, should I weigh myself? And I said, no, you don't have to. But sometimes they still want to. So is that good or bad? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely support body autonomy. So I never want to tell my clients, like, you should not be trying to lose weight, or you should not be trying to, or, you know, watching the scale or any other things. Like, I, that's not my job. And I don't, I don't want to act like I'm the authority in their life. What I do see myself as, as and more of an educator, and letting them know about, you know, what are the possible pros and cons of for instance, whether that's dieting or weighing yourself, like what do we know about how this works? You know, both in like your personal experience, has this been a healthy thing to you? Has this been a positive thing in your life? And what does the research say about it? Um, and really just giving them information and maybe a perspective that they've not or So like with weighing, I, I talk with clients a lot about how 
weighing can actually reinforce disordered eating and body shame, you know, on a brain level. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they've never really thought about or heard about. And so, you know, I just feel like giving them the information and then letting them decide what they want to do with that. That's, that's my job. Okay. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I feel the same way because you never, you never want to make it the next step. And uh, it's funny kind of mm-hmm. how I, as I grow in my profession and I'm like, oh, no, let's not, <laughs> let's yeah. change it up a little bit. Like, let's not get so focused on that because it just, we tailwind into a spiral and yeah. that's just not, not way to go. So, yeah, yeah. I, um, well, I, I think the hard part is that if we're being honest with ourselves, weight numbers are just rarely neutral, whether that we have big positive feelings about what we've seen on scale, we have negative feelings and clients that lose weight, it can feel so good to see the number on the scale go down. Unfortunately, we know from research that most people that go through intentional weight loss, like dieting, are likely to gain that weight back um, Mm long term, usually plus some. And so then it's kind of like, well, then how are you going to feel if you're feeling good because you lost weight? then how are you going to feel if and when you gain that weight back, which you're statistically likely to do, probably not going to be feeling very good about yourself. And so that's kind of the danger of putting, you know, self-confidence and feeling good about yourself on a number. Um, You know, and for clients that have full-blown eating disorders, I mean, they can get so fixated on weights and numbers and that is, never a healthy thing and so for people that are in full-blown eating disorders I, I definitely do recommend doing um blind weight for them yeah they're clinically underweight which we know is very medically dangerous and so you know weighing for them to make sure that they're gaining weight to an appropriate body weight that's that's important but even then you know if possible i would i would suggest blind weight so those numbers don't become triggering for clients and recovery and yeah, I was nodding at every single thing. I loved how you mentioned that, well, it may come back. So how are you going to feel then? So that measurement of enforcement or success, however mm-hmm. you may say, let's find another option there and just focus on, I always like just to focus on the habits, but yeah, that's why you're the professional for that, for, for this entity. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why like, it's so great. And so often it really is a team effort because gosh, when it comes to the food science, that's way outside my scope, you know, to be talking with clients about the nitty gritties of macros and all of that. So it's like, we each have our specialties and it's like, okay, I'm going to focus on this stuff. Let's get you a dietitian who can help educate you on the science of food. And, um, you know, I've seen that be so invaluable for my clients. So both have such importance. Your post, people of color are significantly less likely than white people to have ever been asked about an eating disorder. (gasps) I didn't know that. And that's the naive me too. So explain more on that. Gosh, it's really unfortunate. You know, I, (laughs) we really have a lot of stereotypes about eating disorders. I think that's both in terms of, you know, eating disorders having a look as far as being underweight, which is a battle because I think they get missed a lot by professionals. And also, 
clients don't think they're sick enough, quote unquote, you know, actually just recently um, had a client say that in our first session. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not underweight. So it, you know, I'm not even sure I really have a problem. And it's like, wow, I hate this. We have a stereotype of this like really thin, emaciated girl. And it's like, that is really not the picture for most people who struggle with eating disorders. But part of that stereotype too is that it's like a thin, young, white woman, you know? And, uh, well, no, they're not all, they're not all young and they're not all white. And, you know, research is showing that there's quite a large number of women of color uh, who also struggle with eating disorders, as well as men who struggle with eating disorders. And it's just, it doesn't get, it doesn't get asked about, it doesn't get talked about, which unfortunately I think means people in those groups are less likely to seek help. Um, one, again, it's, it doesn't, they themselves don't fit in what they think it's supposed to look like. And also, it's a lot harder. I mean, it's hard enough to seek out treatment anyway if he looks like you. Right? Like that, that's always a tough thing to be sitting in a group and be the only man or to be the only person of color. You know, that, that, that's tough when it's already tough to seek treatment. Yes. Um, and I love the part where you said, well, I'm not underweight, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have that. But disordered eating for anyone is different. So, yes, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to focus on that area. So passionate about And I really just want us to start having a different message about food and bodies because I think we just really derailed when it comes to food. You know, I think there's this whole, you know, not just diet culture, but now we usually have all this wellness culture stuff where it's like we're just so black and white with food when really food is so nuanced and nutrition is so nuanced and you know I think that's why we're seeing a rise of orthorexia I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term yes I'm sure I probably have briefly touched on it years ago so yep I mean like myself I I know I have you know obsessing of like is it organic? Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? Does yeah. it have this in it? And it's just like, does it have yellow food coloring? Is it made with GMO? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, just like it was too much for me. And it, it, it wasn't so full, full blown. It was just, I could slowly start to see this coming. And it kind of happened uh, right when my kiddos were young. So of course, mm-hmm. I was probably using it for them of they need to eat this, this and that. And yeah, it wasn't helping. So yeah, I see that to be a huge thing in the mom community because, you know, I think as moms, we have all this pressure that we want to do everything just right for our kids. And food has become such a battleground in that. I mean, you can definitely, if you spend any amount of time on like mom, mom Facebook group, you know, there's shaming going on if your kid is eating a Big Mac or having a cupcake, you know, right. there's shaming about you know, kids eating sugar and, you know, I, I feel like I struggled with that as well when my, when my son was little and my husband and I would have fights about it because I'd be so upset that he said my son a certain something. And, you know, as I really got deeper into the intuitive eating and um, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ellen Satter, but all of her yes, stuff her. about intuitive eating. Yeah, yes. intuitive eating for kids and 
now if anybody out there is listening and is a mom and this resonates with them, I really, um, I really love Nicole Cruz. She's a dietitian okay. that has a Facebook group and okay. it's all about raising intuitive eaters. And I just, I think her stuff is so great. Um, and I point parents to that pretty often. Um, but you know, just in general, again, it's just like our society is so obsessed with food being the end all be all of health. It's like, we, we see health being, you know, 50% exercise, 50% food, or, or some various combination of, but it's like those two big things that when research shows, there's like over a hundred different factors that play into health and that food and nutrition is actually only a small part of that. There are so many other determinants of health, whether it's social connection or history of trauma or whether you're in a marginalized group, you know, it's, it's just so much more complex than we make it to be. And we just, we put too much pressure on people and we've unfairly shamed people. Um, especially when you think about how, you know, most, most people probably don't have the time or income to be producing, you know, made from scratch meals from only organic products. I mean, right. the time and the expense of that kind of lifestyle, that's just not feasible for most people. No, it's not real. Um, when my oldest was like two, she would grab a bag of broccoli out of the fridge. And I was just like, oh, I'm such a proud mom. You know, it's like, see, everyone should do this. You know, if you just expose your kids to it early on, it's easy. And then five years later, uh, she's going over to the neighbor's house eating Pop-Tarts. And I was like, like, that was my moment where I was like, uh... I need, I need to fix this because growing up, there was that friend whose mom was super strict, never had pop, never had chips, never had even radio. And uh, when she came over to my house for a slumber party, whew, uh, she got her first um, taste of Doritos and Mountain Dew, you know, and just went crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, and then, so we. And that's so what I, I hear a lot of. Yeah, it's like that. Then they, when they, they're around <laughs> it, then they like gorge on it. And then I've heard of kids like at daycare or school eating crumbs off the floor because <laughs> you know it's like the only time they get anything sweet. And it's like you're not really no. teaching kids how to listen to their bodies and regulate themselves and honor their own body's cues. You know, and so I think. It's way more about learning how to have a good relationship with food as opposed to just really hyper fixating on every single meal and snack. And is it perfectly balanced? And is it, you know, perfectly quote unquote healthy and all of that? Like, well, I want them to have a healthy relationship with their bodies and food overall. And that's a shift away from, gosh, everything's got to be. you know, it's got to be whole foods, no processed stuff and, you know, no sugar and all of that. Which, that sounds like no yeah. fun, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right. Yes, I oh. agree. That is not yeah. fun at all. And, and I, life and, is much more fun recovered from my eating disorder. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> and by the way, I do buy them Pop-Tarts sometimes now. Actually, most of the time. So just so you know, we have cookies and Pop-Tarts and ice cream and all the good stuff. So, Yes, I love that. And you know what? It's so what I have found is I laughed one day because my son went to the fridge and got out a bag of spinach and was just eating raw spinach out of the bag. And I 
But you know what? It's like then other days he goes and he wants a cookie for a snack or he wants an ice cream sandwich for a snack. And I'm like, this is, this is intuitive eating right here. It's yes. like when you just don't make food good or bad and you're not restricting them to the point that, you know, it's like all they want are the foods that they're not allowed to have. They're, they'll find balance. They'll realize what their bodies are saying. Hey, I need a little bit more of this today. And this is what feels good. And they make my, they might like mistakes, just like we all do. It's like, oh, my, my son said the other day, oh, my stomach hurts. <laughs> you know, I ate too much. And I'm like, I've been there, son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to listen to your tummy. It'll tell you when you've had enough, you know. Right. So just giving kids the freedom to figure that out for themselves with some guidance and non-judgment. I think it's so important. It is. I'm, I'm glad we're finally bringing light to this because it's been way overdue, don't you think? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think it's, especially again for moms, it's just wrapped up in just one of the facets of this whole mom shaming culture where it's like we have this pressure that we have to do everything just perfectly and be super mom and do everything. And it's like, well, that's, that's not possible so can we all just let ourselves off the hook a little bit I know (laughs) Uh, yeah Um, where we wear our shirts inside out right (laughs) so Exactly. We don't realize it. So. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, can we just? Uh, I actually work with this with clients all the time. It's like, can we just accept that we're human? We're not superhuman. We can't do everything. We will make mistakes. We will do things that we're not proud of. And can we just accept the good with the bad? And you know, that's why I, I talk about self compassion way more than I talk about self self esteem. Okay. Because like, let's just accept ourselves and each other for all of our humanness. Very good point. Yes. I see you have an intuitive eating jumpstart guide that people can download. I do. So it's a 12-page PDF that you can go and uh, sign up for, and you'll get instant access to it. And it's just a way of, if you're not super super (laughs) intuitive eating, or you maybe have heard about it, and you're not really sure where to start with it, because it can seem a little overwhelming, and it's so different than what we're used to, <clears throat> sorry, with the, you know, where we're used to having like dieting rules telling us what we can eat and when we can eat, you know, the idea of letting go of those rules sounds great, but sometimes like, oh my gosh, how do I start with that? What does that look like? Um, and I actually love the intuitive eating book, but it is really big and so it can, it can be a little overwhelming at first. So it I was is. like, you know what, getting, getting just this dump start of like, how do you get started on that? without feeling overwhelmed might be really helpful for people. So I put that out there and if that sounds interesting to anybody at home, feel free to go and check it out and download it and hopefully that'll be a good place to start. Oh, that's such a helpful guide for them. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Sure. So I do have my website, which is foodfreedomtherapy.com and then I'm on Instagram. I it's been almost a year exactly that I joined Instagram. I laughed because it's like, oh my gosh, I joined kicking and screaming, you know, because I was like, I do not need one more social media black hole to go down. But it's actually been so much fun um, just plugging into a community and getting to connect with like people like you that I wouldn't have gotten to meet otherwise. And, you know, having conversations with people who are following me and the people that I follow, it's you know, because some of this really is so anti-culture, 
it's nice to have a place where you can find community of people who are working on similar things and support each other and, you know, food freedom and body freedom and all of this. So I'm really glad that <laughs> I eventually gave in <laughs> and joined um, because I really have enjoyed it. So you can find me on Instagram. It's um, food freedom therapist is my handle. And I see you're coaching worldwide. It says, do you have other coach with you, t- other coaches with you or therapists with you? I do. So I, I just got to the point where I was so busy and I had a wait list and it was hard. I was always, I loved having new people reach out to me, but it was also really stressful because it just, I wanted to help people. And I was like, man, I just, I don't have more space. And so I spent a long time trying to find some people to come on board. It was something I was really, really selective about wanting to make sure that, you know, they had, the same kind of philosophies I have to, I, I have with intuitive eating, health at every size, all that kind of thing. And so I'm very excited. You know, a few months ago, I found a couple of wonderful therapists who have joined my team. One of them also does coaching. The other one's just a therapist. Um, and so it's just been so much fun to have people on my team. And it's been really nice uh, when now to not be able to say, I'm so sorry. I can't help you. I don't have any space. Um, for us to have the space to, to see and help more people because I, I think some of it too is just in COVID and what a hard year it's been with COVID. Yes. Um, but we've probably just seen a lot of people needing some support and I always want people to have the support that they need. So, so yes, I have a couple of other really awesome intuitive eating therapists and coaches that work with me that I'm excited to have on board now. Yes, that is so wonderful to hear that you're just reaching out to even more people. Look at that. You started out as just a marketer and now you're just growing Uh your business. It's just booming, isn't it? It is. And it's, you know, I think some of that is just reflective of like, once you find something that you really love to do and you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, I know that's such a cliche, (laughs) but it's really true. Like, I just don't have days where I get up and I'm like, oh, I've got to work today. You know, like I did plenty of days when I was doing my corporate job. Um, And so I just, I feel really fortunate to finally be in a place where like I love the work that I do. And I might, my clients are some of the most amazing people, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but even this with a client, they can be some of the most kind-hearted, funny, intelligent people that you'll ever meet. And so they're just, even though it can be challenging work, <laughs> it is, yes. it's usually such a joy to work with them um, and to get to know them. And I am so often inspired by the hard work that I see them doing because it is really hard work. And so... I guess it's the selfless part of me. I'm like, I find that very rewarding and I feel very um, inspired by them and getting to know them and work with them. So it feels like an honor to do this work. Truly, it does. Yes. You're just giving them the training wheels and they're just taken off. And to see that is so fulfilling. And a lot of the time, you know, my whole point is, okay, I'm going to help you. But then you really won't need me after we learn all this. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. don't go. You know, because <laughs> you yeah. do build such a good relationship with them and you really enjoy who they are. So, yes. Yes. I always tell clients, I'm like, it's my job to work myself out of a job here. <laughs> like, I want you to spread your wings and fly. And, you know, I'll have clients a lot of times. So I'm like, thank you so much for everything you've done. And it's like, well, I'm so glad that I was here to be able to teach you things and guide you and challenge you that really 
you got to take credit for all the work that you put into it because you're the one that had to do this hard work day in and day out, meal after meal to do this recovery. And so, you know, give yourself the credit because you're the, you're the one that has gotten you to where you're at for sure. So food freedom therapist on Instagram. You have to follow her. Oh, so good. Uh, Such good information. I think let's do our closing questions real quick. And then, sorry, it's Hazel. Long, but you're so good. You have so much good stuff to share. We're, we're just going to keep rolling with it. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. And I'm, I have enjoyed this too. Like, this is fun. So anytime you want to do this okay. again, just let me know. And I am like, yes, yes, I'm in. Okay, this is where the fun part begins. Um, besides all the technical stuff. Uh, if you were in a TV sitcom show, which show would you be in? Let's see. You know, what's funny about that question is I, I have a lot of shows I really like, but I think I would never want to be on that show um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Like it's too intense or, you know, whatever. Yes. It's, it's just crazy. Um, I'm so sad it's not on anymore. But we really liked Big Bang Theory. I don't know. Have you, yeah. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of our reruns are on. So, yes, I do see yeah. that. That is a good one. Yes. yes, and for one thing, it was just fun because my husband and I don't agree on shows a lot, and so that was one thing when we first started dating, we pretty easily agreed on that we both liked, so that was that was fun for us to watch together, but, you know, I was thinking the other day, actually, about how I just really enjoyed the evolution of Penny's character. You know, if you think about how at the beginning, she was just this, like, quote-unquote, dumb blonde, that everything was about her appearance and her body. And she was kind of portrayed as not very intelligent. And I was like, by the end of the show, it, she dressed differently. She carried herself differently. It's like she had confidence in herself and she didn't get treated as just a pretty girl who that was her value. It's like she had a good job and she was proud of herself and she just, you know, she didn't yes. put herself down compared to all the smart people that she was around who were geniuses, you know, and I just, I don't know why the other day I was thinking, man, I really appreciate how the show evolved her character. I I think that was a really wonderful thing that they did, and I really appreciated that. What a good role model, too, to kind of bring light to that, too. I love that. Um, If you were to have coffee or lunch with anyone, who would it be? You know, I think I would have to say my grandfather. He passed away quite a long time ago when I was in college but he was just such a wonderful man and I when I think about my childhood and he was such a picture of unconditional love I was kind of a quirky teen and um dressed in some weird ways and you know like he just I look back now and I'm like yeah it's kind of a weird teen um but he just he never made me feel weird he just always seemed to accept me for who I was and always made me feel super loved. And in fact, my son is named after my grandfather and Oh, I'm going to get emotional. And I just, like I said, he passed away when I was in college and I feel like now I'm like a full grown woman and I have my own children and I would love to have a chance to sit down and just talk with him now as a grown woman and having lived more life. And I would love, I don't know if my children couldn't be invited to this coffee, but I would love for him to know my children. And so I, I would say my granddaddy, Marshall. Oh, and now as a parent, you just understand the whole 
closeness too of like your kids and how much you really love them whether it's kids or yes. grandkids I'm sure it'll be the same mm-hmm. way so yes, yes absolutely Aww. it's such a special thing yes that's so nice best or latest book you read so uh, the last book that I finished <laughs> 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 anybody's like me is like I need to like not buy any more books till I finish all the ones that I have like half read three quarters of the way read yes. but the last one that I finished was actually um it's, it's called more than a body Ooh. I don't know if you've heard of that one it's uh-uh. so good so it's by I think the names are Lindsay and Lexi Kite, and they are twin sisters that both have PhDs basically in like women's body studies and like media studies. And they have a nonprofit that they've had for a while, but they just wrote this book, and it's basically just all about how we as women need to detach our identity and our self worth from our bodies. And the, the tagline there is like, your bodies are an instrument not an ornament and so I didn't agree with everything in their book but there was so much in it that was really 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 good so I do recommend it awesome I've been into audiobooks lately so I get I get through three audiobooks versus one book that I read so you know yes and I did listen to that one on audio because I know exactly what you're talking about especially like as a busy working mom it's like I'm listening to the book when I'm driving to work and the kids aren't in the car or I'm doing it while I'm getting my makeup right or my makeup on in the morning you know that yes. kind of thing so it's like or cleaning toilets uh, I did that it. that was way more enjoyable so <laughs> yes exactly exactly as opposed to be like why isn't everyone helping me and then I'm like I'm just gonna clean and read my book <laughs> yeah it's um, like I'm gonna make this a productive new time right. yeah so good to connect with you and uh, hear your message. And I am so excited for you, for your your business. It's just growing and growing and growing. And you're reaching so many people. So, Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, it's definitely been a positive thing, like I said, to be able to just reach a whole bunch of people that I wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise. And since I'm so passionate about this message, it's, it's a great way to be able to spend my, my time and energy. Uh, I'm like proud of you. I don't know why, but I'm like proud of seeing all your stuff. So. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a um, fan. So, yeah. Oh, you're sweet. I appreciate that. This conversation was so good. From all areas of diet culture, body acceptance, stereotypes, to just knowing what to say or not to say about body appearance, this conversation has me thinking on how I can keep growing in this area myself and teach my daughters. I cannot thank you enough for listening. Share with a friend. But until next time, we will see you back at the Daily Dietitian Podcast.